This is the Internet Ballers Podcast, episode 75. This is the Internet Ballers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the show for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Ballers Circle. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Baller Circle. I'm Michael Pasha, the host of the Internet Ballers Podcast, and today I'm excited to welcome Christy Hostler from Team Podcast and the Podcast Rescue Show to the Baller Circle. Christy is the CEO of Team Podcast, a full-service podcast production company that produces over 250 podcast episodes each month. Their goal is to partner with podcasters in both their tactical and strategic podcasting tasks so that every new podcast that they launch meets their business goals as quickly as possible. To further support this podcasting effort of hers, she wants to get podcasters out of that messy middle piece that so many people get stuck in. And she is launching this amazing podcast called Podcast Rescue to help with that and to help people prevent themselves from pod fading. So I wanted to bring Christy on the show to talk about these amazing things. We are actually recording this live at Podcast Movement, and this is my first uh, interview that I've done with my guest right next to me. So. Uh, Christy, how are you doing? I'm doing good. This is actually my first time guesting as a live guest. So I've only done one in-person interview before, so I've, now I get both sides of the coin. You awesome. Know? <laughs> both sides of the mic, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So I, so one thing I did want to say is this this episode uh, is is being brought to you because TalkShoe, uh, which is a live recording platform that helps uh, platform that helps podcasters, uh, provide a community which they can stream live and, and they can record their episodes and share it with their guests. Uh, in addition to that, Shure is providing uh, microphones for this. So right now, instead of recording in my home studio, in which I use the ATR2100, which I've talked about on the show before, I am now recording on the Shure uh, SM7B. Uh, and nice. I'm, and it's, nice. it's a nice microphone, it and I'm, nice I'm, I'm glad to check it out because I may be upgrading to it. So Never we'll see know. What, we'll see I know. What it happens. makes you sound like you've just brought, traveled with all this great equipment <laughs> to podcast movement. Exactly. Mr. And Techie. I not, <laughs> and I did not. <laughs> so, Christy, I, so, so the first question I have for you is I know that you've been doing this for a long period mm-hmm. of time. What, what was the first thing that, that got you into podcasting and got you passionate about it? Well, I came into podcasting about the time that John Lee Dumas was starting his show. And it was back in those early years where he now laughs and points and says, oh, my God, my show was so terrible. But I was in a situation where I was working a corporate job, managing customer relations for a, a company. And I had a two-hour drive each way to work. And so four hours a day I'd spend in the car. And the drive was like 85 miles. So it was all interstate, completely boring. started listening to every audio book I could find in the library then I ran out and I started checking out the same ones again forgetting that I had even read them before and I was like this is crazy and then I finally realized that podcasts were out there and it was like once that happened I became a super consumer of podcasts and I could not get enough and of course you know back in the day John was the only one providing the seven day a week show and so he was the only one that had enough content to keep up with me so I could listen to him all the time and then sprinkle in the the fizzle show and Amy Porterfield or Pat Flynn every once in a while. So when I started doing the podcast on my drive, it literally became podcast, I mean, automobile university for me. And that was whenever the world opened up. And I heard what was going on 
and I kind of felt like it was like YouTube, but for audio. You know, you could learn anything you wanted from these podcasts, and so I thought, that's kind of something I could do. I mean, I had, I started it as a radio announcer when I was 14 years old, and so I kind of, you know, always was comfortable behind the mic. Not, Don't put me on video, but <laughs> but that was whenever I fell in love with it, and I thought, this this is tan- this brings it down for everyone's level, and so it was a tangible thing to actually do, so that's whenever I started my podcast, and I started as a five-day-a-week interview show in local business back in 2012 or 13, so it's kind of a little before the podcasting curve, and definitely before the podcasting curve with local businesses, so yeah, so yeah, double strike, two strikes against me, so, but oh well, you live and you learn, so I did like 150 episodes of that, and then by that time, my podcast production company had taken over my time, and I was like, you know what, I need to pivot anyway, so let that one go, and here we are. That's awesome, so I want to talk about the podcast production company. So, yes. so Team Podcast, what are the services that you provide and who is the, I guess, your avatar for that? You know, the avatar is probably somebody who is using podcasting as a marketing channel for their larger business. A lot of times it's lawyers, it's a therapist, it's other business owners that don't, they're not going to have the time and they, they definitely would have the know-how or the technical skills to do all the things that we do, but they don't have the time to spend and they would just rather pay us to do it and be done with it and know it's done well and they don't have to invest the time in it so that's kind of the low the idea of who we want and the lowdown on the services we provide is always expanding so uh, right now with the goal is when you as a podcaster do your recording that you should be able to pass it off to us and not have to you know as, as a podcaster you feel like you're working backwards half the time it's like you do the interview and then you keep working on the interview and then you publish it you know and then you're like oh god that was great now I got that published and then you're like oh crap now I gotta worry about next week's you know and so you're always in that working you record and then work backwards and then publish and record and work backwards and so it's the goal is to pass it off you don't have to touch it again so we do the audio editing we do the show notes we pull out social media tweets and we can schedule it in your auto scheduler or even right on your Facebook or whatever other you know channels you're using um, we'll make your episode graphics we'll publish everything and then we have a few clients that even want us to follow up with their guest once the interviews live and so we send out the links and say hey your interviews live we'd love for you to share it with your network we're so thrilled with the way it turned out and so we just kind of keep them from having to get back in the tactical part of it whenever their time is more better well more better absolutely more better <laughs> it is so much better spent on uh, being strategic and do, being relational with their audience and mm-hmm. even their guests and that network they're establishing okay awesome so I'm curious about you, you know, clearly if you're gonna provide the service to clients you're proficient in all these skills did you learn this stuff by doing your own podcast yes. or was something else that helped yeah you, you know that? I had uh, gone through a couple of incarnations you know how y'all always do you start with oh what free software do you recommend and everyone tries to do what they can do on the free software and I actually started my production company because when I was looking I was working a full-time job doing a five-day week interview podcast with local businesses and I felt like at that point in time, the services were all very siloed. They were all very piecemealed. So if you wanted an audio editor, you could go to this person for audio editing. If you needed graphics done, you had to go to that person for graphics. If you needed show notes done, you had to hire someone else. So the bottom line is to get all these tasks done, you still had to interact with five or six or seven people for every single show and still made you the project manager. You know, it didn't get you out of the loop. It puts you more as the bottleneck of the loop because you're now five people are depending on you to put your work through. So I couldn't find the company I wanted to hire because there was, I'm so, 
obsessive about customer service. And, you know, I'd see someone that had an audio, oh, yeah, we'll do your audio editing and we'll take for, you know, $60 up to 30 minutes, we'll take out 10 ahs and ums. And I'm like, so are you kidding me? You're going to take out 10 and then you're going to go through and count the rest of them and say, Christy, by the way, you owe us $3.50 more if you want them all (laughs) taken out. You know what I mean? Just I'm like, are you serious? Don't waste people's time like that. And so I just thought there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a way we can sort of. So what I, I did, and this is not let me just put my disclaimer this is not a financial plan recommendation (laughs) but um, I cashed out my retirement and basically hired I knew I couldn't do all the work myself you know just if I wanted to grow it so I hired like four key positions and just paid them out of my retirement money and then thought I'm going to go get clients and we can sort of split and scale the cost of what this was doing and just so I got to a point where I could just charge per episode to have all of those tasks done because I felt like whenever you were paying each person individually, you're sort of paying premium pricing. So this was sort of like getting it as a bulk package for a lower price. Okay. So okay. that was the scale. So <laughs> now, so so now you're outsourcing um, those different ha- components to different people. I have a team of about twelve people that work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, eight of them are like full time, and then I have four that that uh, for our tasks like social media and that sort of thing. Not every client wants those services, so like my administrative type VA people are not always full time. So we just use those as they're needed. But we have a team of twelve, including myself and my wife. Okay, awesome. So 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 with that. Um, these people that you have on your team, how do you vet them and make sure that they're, you know, individual, especially if they're remote? Yeah. Um, a few of them have approached me. It's kind of mm-hmm. funny because when you're in this business, people will approach you online and they'll be like, hey, I'm looking to do some work or whatever. And most of the time they come with a portfolio and they also come with someone else you can contact and say, hey, so-and-so says they worked for you. What did you think? You know? And so um, a lot of times I'll get the personal referrals like that or get people approaching me. Um, there's a few few times I have actually gone out looking for a specific person and I might try two or three people and immediately begin eliminating and then there's this long period of okay you did good on that one let's go to the next step okay you did good and just sort of the whole indoctrination process starts as I see that they're going to be able to accomplish the task so our team is I mean I have some people in Canada I have some people in uh, South Africa I have some people in Australia I have one person in the Philippines but then the rest of us so there's like four international and the rest of us are in the United States. Okay. So that's kind of kind of the way I wanted it. I wanted, I wanted to provide, you know, jobs for local people in local areas, you know, to right. make money at home, being able to work flexible schedules. So right. doing what they loved, hopefully. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> so with that, um, what, I'm, you know, what do, what do you find most podcasters are struggling with? Well, there's a couple of things. Um, there is, it, it depends on where they are in their journey, but they're, there's a mental piece of podcasting that people are not they're not addressing I mean everyone wants to be like okay here's what you do to start a podcast you buy this equipment you hook it all up this one goes in here that one goes in there all right you need this software and it's all about those tactical tangible things but nobody's saying what about imposter syndrome and I will tell you just even with launching my own this second podcast podcast rescue um, I experienced that I have I was supposed to launch this in April well, let's just say it ain't April anymore, okay? So so I had given myself a deadline of podcast movement. And so 
the night before podcast movement, I'm like, Christy, girl, you got to. I had already written out my scripts for my first few shows, and I was like, you've got to get at least two in the can, get that thing submitted to iTunes before you get on the plane Monday morning. <laughs> so, almost midnight Sunday night, I was doing it. But you, you just you don't realize the range of emotions of even. Um, for especially women sometimes getting to the piece of a call to action Mm -hmm. can I tell my listeners that I have services that I offer are they going to be mad at me are they going to not listen anymore because they feel like I'm just trying to sell them and I think there's so many of us that come into podcasting for a cause or for a value and yes we're investing in it so you want it to make a return but they're scared to take the necessary steps if they're not salespeople, they have a really hard time saying hire me or pay me money and I don't think enough people are talking about that because you have to get past that in order to I mean don't even try to get sponsors if you haven't tried to sell anything on your own right because you don't know how your audience is going to respond and then you have a failed sponsor relationship right. which is never a good thing for for you or for the rest of the podcast industry because then that sponsor's not going to want to take on anyone else in the podcast world they'll be like no I had a bad experience sure. I lost money it wasn't valuable so um, you know that's one of the biggest things that people struggle with is mindset all along the way at different parts of what they're doing you know sometimes it's getting started recording sometimes it's now now have a product or I now have something I'm selling or I now have a you know affiliate relationship and do I need to tell them how much I make and why I why I'm making that money it's like no do you go to a store and they say this this is 9.99 can you tell me exactly how much money you're making off this right. that's not the way our economy works but this is all things that go on in people's heads and that's what they talk to me about so okay is that so is that the focus of podcast rescue is that it is it's you know I, I, I got so many you know with this podcast production company I see right now we have about 50 50 clients that we produce about 250 shows for. So they're all walks of life, all types of shows, but they they filter in and out. I mean, I have some that have been with me for three years since we started the, the production company, but so many others filter in and out as they pod fade. And I got so tired of seeing people make a huge investment. I mean, you know, when you get your podcast launched on iTunes the first time, you know, you are on an adrenaline high. You are like, yeah, look at, I'm sort of famous I'm on iTunes you know and you show your family and you get all excited about it by that time you've invested probably tons of hours lots of money getting the equipment getting the software you know your logo I've had people you know spend tons of money on logos only to five weeks later decide it's just too much you know and so either they weren't fully prepared in the beginning and you know everyone comes to podcasting with different backgrounds people that have sales or even a little bit of marketing tend to get there quicker than the people that don't have any of that experience and so I just got tired of seeing people pod paid you know it's not good for the industry to see people start and stop and look at iTunes is littered with the wasteland of shows that like haven't been updated since 2012 and it just I don't want any more people to go through that so if I can get them before you know everyone teaches you how to launch and then go out there and grow your audience and all that but what if all the things that you're doing aren't working or you know what if what worked for someone else and was their million dollar ticket you tried it it's not working for you Mm -hmm. so that's one of those things that we've just got to be able to kind of deconstruct it and figure out what's your audience, what's your niche. And you can't do that with a course, right? You can't, I can't say, you know, I can't do a course for every niche and tell you what specifically is going to work for them, but we've just got to keep trying things. And so that's what it's all about. Getting you from the messy middle to the magic middle, trying to get your podcast to accomplish the goals. Okay. Awesome. I like that. So can you, can you, do you have someone that you worked with? Because I'm sure people who are listening are like, all right, you, you know, she's providing this service. 
it costs me money, yes. especially if I'm not. And I think this is the biggest, the hardest decision for people who aren't making money. They aren't yes, successful yet. Yes, there's that like, push pull. I have to spend money that I'm not making. Absolutely. So, and I've probably already spent money on other things, other courses, things, whatever yes, else. Yes. This is an additional spend. Do you have a story of someone that was maybe in that position that that came to you, used your service, and they and they got a return on investment? That yeah, you, share with you know, us? it's it's funny. We've, you know, there's this. I don't want to say it's a myth, but but the prevailing wisdom in podcasting is that, you know, you have to get 10,000 listeners a month before you can even approach a sponsor. And when you do that, you need to have all your download numbers and per episode. And, you know, it's just this whole, it's a fallacy because there are so many shows that have sponsors that are monetized before they hit 10,000 downloads per episode or per month or whatever the, the number they're throwing out is. And so I had a lady um, that she has a local business, a brick and mortar business, and uh, she was wanting to start a podcast that was sort of related on a periphery, like her business is uh, win- like a window treatment business. And she wanted to start a podcast about the business side of design and interior decoration and that kind of thing and so it's kind of tangentially you know related but at the same time she didn't know anything about podcasting she's tech challenged and she had set really big goals for herself she wanted to write a book she wanted to do a course she wanted to have sponsors so she she sent me this long email and said I'm hiring you because I know me and I'm not going to do all that I'm supposed to do if I leave it up to myself to do it and I think I need you need to hold my feet to the fire you need to do this here's my goals blah 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 and this is the time frame we have to make it happen and I'm like all right well thank you that's more information than I get from a lot of people so I think this lady is a go-getter so we started talking about the sponsorships and she she was like well you know I've got a few things that I was thinking about going and getting sponsors for but I you know I, I don't know when that'll happen because I need to see how the downloads go and I'm like go talk to them now hmm. go there's because if you have a relationship with them and you know what you're you know what you're going to be putting into the podcast you know you are going to die trying to make this a success and make this a value exchange for any sponsor then go talk to them about that because it's not so much about what you're what you're doing already it's about what you're going to do and that you're carrying their brand with you on that journey mm-hmm. so she did she had a couple of business relationships where she used as vendors for her local business and she reached out to them and it was funny because I always say you know I'm I'm a southern girl right as you can't tell from listening to me talk (laughs) and so tend to be sweet and not real pushy a lot of times and she's from New Jersey so she is not afraid to pitch the devil herself (laughs) and so and I love that because I'm like man I wish I, I wish I had that in me you know but I'm too polite you know so she actually went to those you know we kind of worked up a script and she went to those relationships that she had those companies and said this is what I'm doing you know the price is $500 an episode to to be a sponsor you can be my title sponsor um, and I'm giving you this opportunity first and if you don't want it that's okay because I'm going to your biggest competitor next and somebody somebody is going to jump on this and I'm giving you the opportunity because I like you best you know and you've been with me the longest and we have a good relationship and she out of the gate ended up with sponsors at $500 an episode Hmm. for that particular show that hadn't even launched yet and she's continued to maintain she's now like a year and a half in those original sponsors are still sponsors and then she just keeps adding more and she uses you know different types of you know companies so they're not all you know sponsoring the same thing but it's just she's got her cash flow from the beginning of the show and that was so nice to see Hmm. you know it was nice to see somebody do that and be successful so yeah that's awesome so and I think that's something that a lot of people are 
are, are probably listening and happy to hear, thinking, hey, yeah. well, I, I don't have to wait until I have you don't. a million and, downloads. And the to, bad to thing, yeah, the somewhere. bad thing about it is nobody's going to, you know, six months into your podcast when you've been slogging along for six months and now you're like, whew, I finally hit 10,000 or 12,000. No one's going to tap you on the shoulder and say, <laughs> it's time, my dear, it's time. Go right. talk to people. So you've got to be nurturing those relationships all along the way or feeling them out. And sometimes it might be starting by saying, I'm a huge fan of your product. I've been using it forever and I want to, you know, I want to have you on my show to talk about it to my client or my listeners and I want to, you know, sort of help pitch your products to them and then you do it for free and then before you know it you become they become a paid sponsor once you say I've got other paid sponsors that are going to come in so I can't do you for free anymore but so it's there's a lot of ways to do it and I think there's no one you know, blueprint for everyone, but for her, that worked, and she was the right personality with the right relationships, and was not afraid. Didn't she was not feeling insecure about the fact that her podcast hadn't launched yet. Hmm. That's a huge key. You know, when you're feeling that insecurity, it affects everything you do. So yeah, that's pretty cool. That the first time I heard of that was I interviewed someone, uh, this this coach Erica Duran, uh-huh. and. Uh, Basically, what she does is, you know, she's a lifestyle coach mm-hmm. and she travels full time. Mm-hmm. And she said on the podcast that before she launched her podcast, she went to resorts and, you know, different travel organizations and said, hey, I'm launching this podcast. Will you sponsor me? And she was able to get sponsors without the download numbers and whatever Absolutely. else. And the point that she made was that a lot of times these businesses that you think are going to grill you about your download numbers or whatever else, they don't know, they don't know what to ask. They don't know enough. Yeah. yeah. It's, and it's their for many times it's their first relationship with a podcast, mm-hmm. which does put even more pressure on you to make that successful, you know, so that right. you don't burn them out on podcasting advertising altogether. But the, I guess the biggest thing is being willing to break the so-called rules out there are something that every podcaster needs to be willing to do because what worked for John Lee Dumas or Pat Flynn or whoever else that's, you know, really what you consider making it might not work for you. But if you do something that's completely different and you just say, you know what, the worst thing that's going to happen is they're going to say no. Right. And maybe the, the worst thing that's going to happen is they say, not now because our advertising budget is spent but can you call me back in two months because we're getting ready for next year's advertising budget you know when you get to that point and say what the wor- what's the worst that could happen no all right no problem but you know what can you stay in touch with them could you bring them on the fo- on the, the uh, podcast and still continue to have a relationship and nurture that till they understand and then maybe get a le- yes later you probably can mm-hmm. so just takes thinking a little differently about it right so I'm curious about when, when you were talking about that person who they start their podcast they're six months in and now they have 10,000 downloads and then they approach sponsors what about that person who they start their podcast they're six months in and they don't have any down I mean they have very very little yeah. downloads is at that point is it too late to go and try to get the sponsor? You know, is it I, it's harder? not. You know, I'm, I'm going to give you an example. And this, this guy is not a client, but he is in a podcasting group that, mm-hmm. that I think you and I both are in. And one day he posted something and he said, you know, I keep seeing these posts in the Facebook groups talking about, I got, you know, I hit my million downloads or I hit 100,000 downloads or I hit whatever. And he said, I feel like I'm missing the mark with my downloads, but I don't know what I don't really know what to do about it. He said, I do have a fully sponsored show. And he said, it does, you know, after we deduct our pro, uh, production costs, we do actually have cash flow from it every month. So he was making about $500 a month in profit from his podcast. And it was fairly new. And um, he said, but I still feel like I'm just not missing the mark. He's like, don't get me wrong. My sponsors are happy and everything, but I just, so he, you know, people were like, oh, cheer up. You'll get there, you know, whatever. And I was like, wait a minute, hold on. Let's talk a little bit more about this. I said, how many downloads do you get a month? And you're not going to believe what he said to me. You're not going to believe what he said. He said, 350. Wow. He said, I get 350 downloads a month. I said, what is your niche? 
he said, my, my niche is security guard. We, it's a podcast for security guards, which I was like, oh, that's brilliant for the night shift. Are you kidding me? You can yeah. listen to podcasts about your job and <laughs> self-development all, all night long. But um, he said, it's about security guards. And I have a company that does security guard training that is sponsoring me. And they're very happy. And I get 350 downloads a month. And I'm like, okay, well, let's look at that. That's a very specific niche. And I, I went to the Small Business Association and looked up the stats. And I said, okay, do you realize that in this country there are 78,000 people that identify on their tax returns that they our occupation is a security guard mm-hmm. we know that 17 percent of the population listens to podcasts or you know has heard of podcasting so 17 percent of 78,000 you know and so when you start breaking those numbers down he was doing really well in his niche and I'm like the other part is you don't realize you are doing better than people that have 10,000 downloads a month and haven't monetized because you have cash flow in your podcast and you have a happy sponsor so keep growing that I mean so if you go from 350 to 400 it's not the same as going from 350,000 to a million but still keep growing it and the biggest thing with him is don't compare yourself because you can get so freaked out thinking I'm not good enough I'm not as big as those shows but you might have everything else going for you that those shows haven't even been able to tap into and it's all about niche and I think every niche needs to be taken into consideration so if you're not comparing apples to apples don't do the comparison right so I and I had a guest on my show uh and he was talking about um his podcast mm-hmm. this was after after the after the interview was okay. over we started talking about the podcast we didn't talk about this on the actual on the actual show and what he was saying was that he started a podcast and he was getting I think he said 10,000 downloads a month right mm-hmm. And he thought that was a complete failure. And yeah. he abandoned the podcast and never made any money from it and, and all these things and and talked about how everyone should just quit podcasting and just go do something else. It, it just, sucks. It doesn't And the thing work. is, I thought to myself, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, like, I, I can't imagine you couldn't have done something with that. Yeah. Like, so I don't know if it's like he just didn't have the right mentorship or didn't know what to do because I'm like that that seems like a pretty or good even number. the right perspective now right. I will tell you one of the advantages that I have is that I see all of my client stats I see every single thing that they are you know every single thing they're getting from Libsyn I see all their channels so when someone says to me you know and kind of whines about seven eight ten thousand I even have a cli- I have a client seriously that has a hundred thousand plus downloads a month mm-hmm. and he's you know, always saying, am I doing okay? And I'm like, okay, you, you're kind of like kicking everybody else's butt and you don't even know it because you don't have that perspective. I have that perspective and I'm like, okay, dude, a hundred plus thousand a month, you've got to monetize because he's not really monetized yet, you know? And so there, there, it's just, everyone takes a different thing to get them to that point, to be able to get the money from it. And he's a relationship guy, so he's not a sales guy. So, you know what I mean? It's, it's right. all about perspective. So, right. so crazy. So, the one thing I wanted to talk about before we close out um, is we're, we're here at Podcast Movement. We've been, oh we've been here for a couple of days. We've been going to these sessions. What are some takeaways that you have that, uh, that have kind of, you know, lit a light bulb uh, in your head? Yeah, you know, I did not realize. I went to a session yesterday about how to get your podcast on Google Home, Alexa, and all of those connected, you know, for the connected home, those speakers. And I heard a statistic that in there they said that 70% of those homes that have those speakers listen to podcasts, which was very, very interesting to me. But the other thing that was so interesting is that everything you do to try to optimize yourself for search in iTunes 
is the exact thing that's going to kill you in search for voice. Because think about it. You know, people say, Alexa, let me listen to such and such podcast. Or that maybe let, let me listen to a show called like, like This American Life, but with women hosts. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, how, how, do you, how do you get that out of your metadata? You can't. The other part is, you know, even for voice recognition, we put a lot, a lot of keywords in our title. We'll say podcast rescue, you know, podcast support, podcast fading, you know, all these other keywords. But you got to keep it short for the voice search. So voice is going to become a bit bigger thing, and those connected speakers are going to become huge. And I think we've got to retool our thinking because we've been so used to kowtowing to iTunes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> our frenemy. <laughs> Well, Christy, I'm so happy to have you on the show. I'm, I'm glad that we got a chance to have this conversation. I want to know before we close out, how can the Baller Circle get in touch with you and learn more about your business? Sure, there's a couple of things. You can go to teampodcast.com if you're interested in podcast production. And I always do free consultations, just like to get to know people and what their what their goals are for their show. And then at the same time, um, if you want to hear my new show, if you're a podcaster by any chance, it's called Podcast Rescue. If you're close to pod fading or maybe you're feeling the guilt from already pod fading, you go to podcastrescue.me. Um, I'm doing a big giveaway. We've got about $600 of pro equipment we're going to be up, you know, upgrading someone's audio for. So there's an opt-in right there to just go ahead and sign up, get in the contest, and maybe get you some cool gear. Perfect. Well, Chrissy, thank you very much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank and, you. And uh, enjoying the rest of the conference. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. That was Christy Hostler from Podcast Rescue. Thanks for being awesome and joining me on another episode of the Internet Ballers podcast. Be sure to listen next week where I'll be going through my takeaways from the interviews I did this month. Uh, In the meantime, you can check out the show notes for this episode as well as listen to other episodes on the Internet Ballers podcast at www.internetballers.com. Again, I'm Michael Pasha and happy marketing. Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to internet baller. We'll see you on the next episode.